I just had such a great experience in my past internships and I always wanted to be a place that nurtures talent and is like a great learning opportunity and like a place where you can like really crash around and like actually see what people do. Hello everyone, I'm Addie and I'm Naya and we are the first ever social media interns at Arcade. Today we are going to be taking over the Waves podcast interviewing Mike and Mitzi who as you know are the founders of Arcade. We feel so honored that we get to pick your brains for the next hour. We're excited to see what you have to say and we know the listeners will be too. So let's jump right in. Could you bring us into the storyline of having separate companies and merging them together? And where does this Waves podcast come into the storyline? It's all Love you, Mitzi. It. Well, first of all, this is so exciting for us to have you guys be interviewing us and flip this uh, script a little bit. So thank you for doing this. Okay, yeah, Origins of Arcade. So we uh, had separate companies before my company focused on social media. It was called Waves at the time. Mike's company was called Fancy, and he focused on uh, design and visual identity. And we ended up dating, ended up getting married, fast forward a few years, and it just kind of made sense for us to merge our businesses, not just because we were life partners, but because I actually got a pretty big client and I was pulled into this like brainstorming meeting and I was like looking around the room at the other agencies that were working on this project and I just felt the design team um, I just felt like we could do more together and we, maybe if we like merged our teams and kind of like went at it trying to get the clients together, we could do bigger stuff together. So that's kind of what sparked the idea. And then it just kind of made more sense as a whole. So because like we're life partners and business partners, but regardless, we're always trying to help each other's businesses grow too. So it makes sense to just put all of our eggs in one basket and do it together. So yeah, that started the conversations around merging. And then we did that in 2018. Yes. So you skipped the ago. part where I wooed you though. <laughs> I want credit for sweeping you off your feet. You're just like, we ended up dating and getting married. Like <laughs> minor detail. <laughs> yeah, come on yeah in the process. Yeah, there was some like fun flirty stuff that happened in there but yeah then we merged our company four years ago and we rebranded to be arcade and we wanted to rebrand intentionally because we didn't want to make it look like one company was taking over another company uh, it was truly like two equal partners coming into it and you know doing something new together and at the time Mike had a business partner we bought him out and then that became Arcade. And I, I was a little sad when we rebranded because I loved Arcade or Waves so much. Like I loved the branding. And I want to give a shout out to Drew, who's our current art director. He came up with the branding for Waves. And I was just so attached to it. But I kind of felt like one day we'll use it again. One day it'll come back to life. Um, so when we tossed around the idea of doing a podcast and we we're thinking about like what we would want to call it we landed on waves because we just loved the name the branding and so we got to bring it back to life in the form of a podcast and we decided to do a podcast because we knew we needed to do some thought leadership but neither of us wanted to write a blog so 
<laughs> waves felt like a, a podcast felt like a good excuse to talk to people that are smarter than us and get like conversations going and learn something from other people in our industry. So that is why we started the podcast and that's where the name Waves came from. That's an amazing idea. I'm so glad you guys kept the name Waves for the podcast. Do you have anything else you want to add to that question? Mike, do you have anything else you want to add to the storyline? No, I think Mitzi, he did a great job Thank explaining so the mm-hmm. history, except for the romantic parts. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to hear that. Like, I mean, people might, but they can just go to our Instagram for that stuff. Oh, fair enough. We're actually coming up to our five-year wedding anniversary. So. Oh, congratulations. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. Dang, wow. that's soon. That's a big milestone. Yeah. Okay, so our next question is, where did the inspiration for the name Arcade come from? I know you touched on some of the names you've had in the past, but where did Arcade itself come from? Yeah, so picking the name was actually so hard. Mm -hmm. It was a process that took longer than it should have, but I'd say we spent a week or so just spinning our tires, everyone on the team trying to come up with some cool ideas that would fit this new agency that we wanted to bring to life. And then eventually we we got to the point that we were like, man, it's too hard to name an agency. So what if we take it from a different angle? And so we decided to say, okay, if we were starting a cool magazine that we would want to read, what should it be? What would it be called? And so for some reason, just thinking about it differently like that, we had a lot of ideas and we came up with probably 15 or 20 different ideas. And then just as a team, we started to vote, kind of do like blind voting to eliminate ones we didn't like until the last one standing was Arcade. Mm -hmm. And I think outside of just like voting for it and it sounding cool, part of what we liked about it was the meaning of it and less in the sense of a gaming arcade, but more in an architectural sort of environment. So when it comes to architecture, which is another form of design, which feels like it fits well with creative and and the agency space in general but in the architecture space an arcade is really a series of arches that supports a greater structure so you think of like Hudson's Bay downtown in in Calgary here there's like this huge arcade of like big pillars and it's almost like an open air tunnel that's an arcade so that felt like a really cool visual reference but also more of like a symbolism in the sense that like what we do as an agency supports the greater structure of the brands that we work with and their their eventual success that's amazing i love the visuals of the arcade and the structure that makes a lot of sense so we have already established we are interning for you guys so let's talk about how this all came to be when did you start conceptualizing and dreaming up the academy internship Mitzi wanted the internship since day one. Yeah, I've always wanted, like, I just had such a great experience in my past internships. And I always wanted to be a place that nurtures talent and is like a great learning opportunity and like a place where you can like really crash around and like actually see what people do. So interns were such a big part of my career story that I really wanted to be a place and do that for someone else. But it took us a long time. Like we were running so fast and our business was growing really quickly. And we were, um, we really couldn't be a great, we weren't a great learning environment for a long, long time. We really had to be a place where we're we could step back and actually create like a program and actually think about like what would interns even do here? And like, do we have work that is meaningful for someone to do 
other learning here. So it took us like four years to get there to a place where we had also the team to support interns too, because I know that that's such an important piece of it. So I'm really happy that once we finally decided like this is the year that we can do internships because we have the team in place and we have the need for additional support and like they could actually do something that's meaningful. So we're glad that we got to the place. And then we were tossing around names. Um, we wanted to brand it. We wanted to, to feel like it's a it's something that you're like getting invited to. It's almost like a club that you're part of. And so, <laughs> like once we started internships, we wanted to always have them. So um, you two were like our first inaugural interns. And so we were tossing around different names. And a long, long time ago, we came up with our academy because we wanted to maybe potentially explore like doing a course or something like that. But then when we were like tossing around names, we're like, why don't we just use that? Because it kind of like has arcade in it and academy and things like that. So that's that was like always like a, a name, a future name that we wanted to use, kind of like Waves. Like we're like, one day we'll have it and one day we'll use it. So this felt like the perfect place to do that. So we're really happy that you guys are our first interns. You guys are doing an amazing job. And it's just been so fun to see it actually come to life. Yeah, and then we'll we'll have to hear from the two of you at the end of all this to know if it is actually a good program. <laughs> Yeah, so far it has been amazing. I've loved just every single aspect of it. Yeah, I'd give it a five-star rating for sure. Mitzi, you've already kind of touched on this, but I wanted to see if you had anything else to add. How did your internship experience influence the process of creating Academy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I had such great internship experience. I was intern. I interned twice. So I interned the first time I interned. I was um, I was a journalism student and. My life dream at the time was to be a political reporter. So I actually got to, uh, I moved to DC and I interned in Washington, DC during the 2008 presidential election. So the first time Obama was um, elected president. And I got to be in like a newsroom and my internship was at like a market wire. So basically it's like the wire that you like write the news that like gets sent to the news stations so that they can write news too. So it was all around the election and it was like really fun. And I, I like, I feel like I just got the chance to actually see a newsroom for the first time. I spent like three or four years studying journalism, but I never got to see it in action. And so actually being exposed to it was like so great for me to like see editors, see reporters, like actually like follow them to something that they're covering and like being a press conference, like all that stuff was just like amazing exposure for me. And it really like turned my whole like career, like aspirations upside down because I got to see what people actually do in their jobs. So that was awesome. And then after I graduated university, I got an internship at a uh, magazine in the marketing department. And that was really like such a foundational opportunity for me because I never considered marketing before. Um, But I got to work alongside the marketing director and watch her really closely and learn from her and like even down to details around like how she communicates in emails or how she carries herself in meetings like all that stuff was so I was just like a sponge like soaking it all up it's stuff that you could never really learn in a classroom you just need to like be in the environment to like really get it and as an intern I feel like 
I was given permission to like watch and learn, which is different than when you're, you know, pulled into a workplace as an employee that's like, you know, expected to perform in a certain way. Like I think being an intern, everyone understands like, okay, they're here to learn and they're here, they're going to make mistakes and they're going to crash around and that's okay. Like, you know, and I, I just think that like giving people permission to learn, like everyone should honestly have permission to learn in their jobs, no matter what their role is. But just like knowing that like everyone was like willing to give me extra time, willing to explain things more than they normally would um, was just such an amazing opportunity for me because I was just so like such a sponge. So those two experiences really kind of like made me feel like I wanted to do that for someone else, especially for someone who's like hungry and wants to learn this industry. So that's what kind of like sparked that experience for me. Amazing. That's so cool to hear. I'm sure you guys have discussed this, but with this being a new program, have you talked about how you see our Academy evolving in the future? Is it still in the process or do you have any set plans for it? Yeah, I think we've given a little bit of thought to it, but we also just want to kind of learn as we go. So what we've talked about so far is, of course, growing it in size, like having more interns. Um, but what we love about it is that it, it's student interns, which obviously the two of you are, are still students. And I think from our perspective, it's exciting that we can have internships at the student level, like while people are still in university, because that gives them the opportunity to learn in a career environment before they graduate. Mm -hmm. And for me, I didn't ever have an internship. The closest thing I did was work ed in, in high school and, you know, and work ed. I don't know if either of you did work ed, but you just get kind of shoved in a back corner to like <laughs> put price tags on things or whatever. Like you're just kind of there oh. taking up space. That's what, that's what I essentially did at sport check. I was just like in the back the back room with the inventory <laughs> and my, my um, but yeah, that was one thing. But then also because I didn't have an internship during or after my university experience, I just found that I'd got kind of got thrown off the deep end in my first job. And you come out of school feeling like, you know, everything and that you're ready and that you should be a, like a director of something. But really like once you actually get thrown into the deep end, you're like, I actually know very little, you know, like university actually doesn't prepare me as much for real life as I expected it. To. So that's what we like about the student internship approach is that the two of you get to have this experience and get to see what the real world looks like while you're learning. And then it gives context to what you're learning in university as well. And even some of the decisions that you might make for your career direction or like your major or your minor. So we want more student interns in the future. And we like it at that that stage. And then we also want to view it kind of as like a feed, a potential feeder for our company. So rather than someone having to like go get experience somewhere else after college and then come to us to potentially work at Arcade, if we can develop relationships with young talent like yourselves um, while you're studying, then um, if that experience goes well for us and you, you know, then there's a potential of a longer future relationship in a more formal career setting. So it just feels like the right format, the right structure. And it's also just it kind of it feels like it's saving time for the student, um, but then also like setting us up for success to have to do less of a search when it comes to recruiting for specific roles because mm -hmm. we know who's around, who's interested, who's capable, like that kind of thing. Yeah. I might add one more thing too, like even with um, interns too, like during like 2020, there was a big conversation around like, like making 
giving more visibility and opportunity to people of color and people from a different background and things like that. And a big thing that I took away from that, all those conversations, I would you know, watch panels with other agency leaders and marketers and things like that. And a big takeaway was that it's not just about cycling the same people through different companies. It's about nurturing talent as early as possible. And for me, as someone who's like really passionate about this industry and really believes that like, even though we're a small agency in Calgary, Alberta, like I feel like we have, we can make a big impact and like, we're only four years in and we have lots of years ahead of us. I wanted to make sure that, you know, our internship program is also keeping that in mind that we're nurturing talent, which is going to be the future of our industry. And what does that future even look like? And who are those people who will eventually be directors of marketers of bigger brands or bigger agencies or whatever? So it's like definitely an opportunity to like expose us to potential talent for, you know, the sake of working at Arcade. But we also know that a lot of these interns and people who work at Arcade are going to go on and do other roles and things like that. So being a, a, able to shape what that looks like and what that future like, like C-suite leadership, you know, like level looks like, at least in Calgary and in Canada, um, is really exciting too. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for sharing that. We're really excited to be a part of this process and journey, and I'm so excited to see how the rest of this internship goes. Our next question is, are these the careers your younger selves envision you'd be in today? Ooh. You go first. <laughs> um, no, I never thought I'd be a marketer. Um, I never. I wish I took marketing in university. I never did. Um, it's good that you didn't. Really? I feel I, like that's your secret weapon. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I wish I had just like more of the foundational knowledge, you know, like everything I've learned is just like through blogs and stuff. But practically speaking, I am glad I didn't because I'm not going at it with the, like that marketing lens. But anyways, I always thought I was going to be a reporter. Um, and like I mentioned, I went to school for journalism. So my goal and my like track was like a political reporter. My minor was politics. And so that was like always like my North Star. Um, but then it wasn't until like my internship after I graduated where I explored marketing and I, I got the the internship in marketing and I was kind of like bummed out at the beginning. I was like, this is not what I want to do. I want to be like a writer, writing articles and things like that. Um, so I did it because I wanted to like make my way into the editorial department. But as soon as I started working in marketing and watching the editorial department do their thing, I realized the pace of marketing was much better suited to my natural pace. And I was already like immersed in all this stuff and always already thought about like, how do you tell a person's story? But marketing is really just like telling a brand story and connecting to an audience, which is like a lot of the foundational things about journalism. So, so yeah, I felt like this wasn't the, the career I thought I'd be in, but um, I'm so glad that I am in it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad you did. I didn't plan to be, get into marketing either. Actually, I growing up was good at math, and I knew I was good with people. So I was either going to be an accountant or a politician. And my it's parents. Not too late. <laughs> What's that? It's not too late to be a politician. My my dream would be for Mike to run for mayor, so I could just be a mayor's wife. But well, one day. Let me make, let me make the point I was going to make, Go and then it. you'll understand why I don't want to be a politician. But. I think over time, well, with the accounting side, I, I went to university and took a couple accounting classes and then realized really quickly that was the last thing I wanted to do. And nothing against accountants, but it's just the type of work just felt so dry to me. And then I started taking a couple of marketing classes and realizing that, that, that marketing was so much more than selling products. It was actually like influencing 
people's behaviors. Like it was very psychological and that was really intriguing to me. And I think that was kind of the piece that originally drew me to the idea of being a politician is the ability to make positive change and like change the way people think and, and, and that kind of thing. But over time, again, as you start to experience the real world, really like politics are so complicated and there's so many things going on behind the scenes that really restrict your ability to actually make a difference in the way that you want to, um, because it's all a big game. And so that's what really kind of helped start to redirect me towards marketing is I, I took a couple classes, realized there was kind of a romantic side to it and that I could do the things that I wanted to do that I originally saw in politics without the constraints of like people and like donors and, and like, like having to do favors for each other and like that kind of thing. And more of the freedom to actually create a narrative or, or a message or a campaign that could influence the way people think without the, all of the background complexities. So that's where it slowly took me towards this. I didn't ever think that I'd start an agency, but that kind of happened by accident after the first couple of corporate roles that I had and getting laid off from my job and just a friend of mine decided to go for it. And then eventually I met Mitzi and here we are. <laughs> but you were, you kind of had an entrepreneurial like bone at an early age. Like you should tell, talk to them about that. Yeah. I mean, I always, I liked making money from a young age. So anything <laughs> I could do to like exploit my friends uh, through elementary school or high school or whatever, then I, I tried it, you know, whether it was like mowing lawns for as much money as possible or doing a paper route to then even like, just, I was half, I was half decent at drawing. So I'd just like draw pictures and sell them to people. Or my friend and I in like grade 10, we started a, a brand like a apparel brand and we just silkscreen logos that we designed in computer class onto shirts and sell them and stuff like that. So, I mean, it, none of it was overly impressive, but it was, it just kind of started working that muscle for me of being able to come up with my own ideas and actually bring them to life and then like get people interested in them and make a, make a profit from it and then spin that into something else. And so I think, yeah, that's kind of informed what I do now, but I've always found that I need someone else to do it with. Like I've never really been someone that just goes and does it by myself. I need to kind of do it in community or at least with a partner. So the first agency I started was with a, a partner. And then obviously now Arcade is with Mitzi. And and I think I really believe in partnership over doing your own thing. Um, there's certainly personalities and types of people that can do it well on their own, but it's got to be lonely, you know? So I, I'm I'm always preaching the benefits of, doing something in partnership and surrounding yourself with people that are smarter than you or strong at the things that you're weak at and, and things like that. That's so cool to hear about your individual journeys. And I know Naya and I are grateful you've ended up in the roles you're in today. How do you feel Arcade is different from marketing agencies or or other marketing agencies? Yeah, good question. You want me to take that one, Mitzi? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, I think we we made a decision to be different when we became Arcade because I, Mitzi and I both had separate agencies like we explained and they were pretty specific, but they weren't necessarily unique. And we started to just recognize that we got overlooked then because of our size, you know, or, or our lack of size rather than because of our talent or our abilities. So um, we wanted to make sure that Arcade was specific in a niche so that we could separate ourselves from most of the competition. So then we're really just batting against one or two instead of 10. So when we started Arcade, our, that niche was really 
digital marketing only. We didn't do like any traditional stuff or print or things like that. And also we weren't doing visual identity or like branding for people. We weren't building websites. We were purely doing marketing on online channels. And then we got even more specific in the sense of like who we were doing it for. So when we started, we were really focused on e-commerce, like online products, um, direct to consumer, like consumer packaged goods kind of things like like makeup or skincare or apparel or things like that, home decor. Um, so it was kind of twofold. We were specialized or niche in the in the sense of the service that we were delivering, but also who we were delivering it for. And obviously that's evolved over time because we're, we're interested in entertainment. We're interested in other types of media that, again, coming back to the idea of changing people's minds or affecting the way people think, we want to, we always say we want to make art that moves culture. So we do that in a sense through e-commerce, but there's other, other mediums and other industries that are better equipped for that kind of um, marketing or that kind of impact. So we're starting to get more into media and entertainment, which is for one reason why we have a podcast in the first place. But as we broaden the scope of who we offer our service to, we're starting to get more specific and more agile in the way that we adapt as an agency. So for example, social channels change so quickly all the time. And a big change is just prioritizing video. So most agencies, especially the bigger ones, are slow to change, just like any, just like people are, just like brands are. They're slow to adapt. And so one thing that we've really mandated for Arcade is that we will be quick to adapt. And that comes back to one of our values that we have as a company, which is always be in beta. It's, kind of, it's this idea of always iterating on who we are and what we do. So we're trying to be really quick at changing at the speed of social and at the speed of the channels that we're, the people that we want to market to are passionate about, which really is social media. So anything that you would add, Mitzi? No, I think that was awesome. Yeah, I feel like being quick to change. I'd say the other differentiator is like our team. I think our team is amazing. They're all like really in the channels and they're passionate about, you know, the work that they're doing. We try to hire people who were are just as excited about digital marketing, whether they worked here or not, you know, and so they'd be like posting on social and creating content or, you know, like designing or getting inspo about something regardless of whether they're doing it here or not. So I'd say that's another outlier that I feel like a lot of our clients are really appreciative of when they do work with us is like people are here just really passionate about it. I feel like you did a great job picking the team here at Arcade. I feel like it's very evident that you pick people with those qualities. The next question is, why would you want to work for Arcade if you weren't already a part of it? Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) I would want to work here if I didn't work here because everyone gets five weeks of vacation. Dang. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, this is hard because it's hard to, like, we think this is a great place to work. I feel like a little biased. (laughs) It's hard to be like, I don't know, is it? Yeah, I think, like, from the outside, looking in, even what people tell us is that it looks fun. You know, Mm -hmm. it looks like everyone's enjoying what they do. And don't get me wrong, like, obviously, work is work sometimes. And there's the less glamorous side of work when you have to work outside of hours because of the type of work that we do or when there's like a difficult client or something goes wrong that we didn't anticipate, you know, there's, there's always that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, there's, it's a supportive team. 
we have each other's backs. We own the losses together and we celebrate the wins together. And to me, that is the type of company that I would want to work at. Awesome. How often do you guys revisit your goals for Arcade? Is it yearly or just monthly where you get a pulse? Hmm. That's a really good question. Feel free to disagree. But um, I'd say like we are talking about our goals constantly. Like I'd say the goals that we set at the beginning of the year are not the same that they are a few months in, a few months later, end of year. You know, we have some, like we set revenue goals for our business and we talk about those constantly. Um, But then like as our business grows and the needs change, like we set other goals, like a big goal for this year, at least for me was uh, building a team so I could take a mat leave, you know, and like that's a big goal. And that's something that we talk about all the time. And so, I'd say Mike and I were pretty like lockstep with like the big picture goals. And then there may be some like micro goals that we have that we kind of like start to we've I think we've been better at at bringing in other people on our team that we trust to kind of help us achieve those smaller goals together. Like Manny is someone that we we really trust and he's our project lead and he kind of helps us like even pull off the internship. Like the internship was a big goal. We knew we couldn't pull it off ourselves and he like was part of that process too. So we do talk about all those things, I think like all the time. Would you agree, Mike? Yeah, I'd agree. It's out of that mentality that I mentioned before of like always being iterative or always being in in beta, I think we revisit the bigger goals, like the longer term plan less frequently, whether it's quarterly or annually, but um, the stuff that's more like in the trenches and specific to how we deliver the service that we deliver or hiring decisions or things like that. Yeah, that's like a week to week kind of conversation. So we briefly touched on arcade standards. So my question is, how did you come up with your standards? Be proud of who you are. Always be in beta. Be humble and take it all the way. That's a great question. (laughs) Um, So I uh, worked with a business coach, I think like a year ago. um, And that was a big thing that I really wanted to like figure out my like personal values and like actually articulate them. And then once I was going through that process, like I was chatting with Mike about it and we really felt like, you know, this was the time for us to define what our company values are. Um, And so part of it was like what, you know, I was working through personally for myself, but then so much of that was like reflected in how we actually run our business because we really wanted like values that aren't just something you like stick on a wall and never like do like or there's no action behind them and my coach really challenged me on that too like and so we got to kind of like think through what is it that we already do that's differently that may be based on a value that I've never really articulated before and then how do we want like our business to evolve and grow so that that kind of helped us like figure out what those key messages are so that process like our my coach really helped me with that and she's amazing But yeah, and then once we kind of like tossed around some of it, like it really became how about how do we bring this to life through our employee handbook or through our like company policies and things like that. And that that process felt so easy and natural once we defined what those values were. I'm like so proud that we did that work because it's not like an easy thing. And it took us a few years to like get to that place. 
Um, but I think it's been like a really foundational piece for how we approach hiring, how we approach, you know, vacation and how we approach like everything else that we do and even like the clients that we take on and things like that. Um, so I'm like really happy that we did that and I'm happy that um, they exist and they're out there. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad you went through that process too. And I think because Mitzi and I are married, we're also partners and we've been doing this for a while, even though a lot of the conversations that they were having, that she was having with her coach were personal to her. It still was so easy to just put it through the filter of Arcade and mm -hmm. understand that that it, they were true, maybe with slightly different language. Um, so I, I definitely personally benefited from the process that she went through. Um, but I would also say that like if we had if we had articulated or tried to articulate what our values are sooner, it probably would have been too soon. And so I, I'm I'm thankful that we waited a while to actually see like what, to Mitzi's point, like what was true about mm -hmm. the culture at Arcade and the way that we do things and what our our common beliefs or perspectives were, rather than just wanting something that sounded cool that would attract people. And that's also why we chose to call them standards instead of values. That was an intentional decision because we felt like the word value had a connotation to it, but it also, outside of just seeming like a buzzword, kind of felt like something that was more of a bonus than than like the status quo. And we want these things, these four elements of who we are and what we do to feel like they should be standard. And that's why we called it standards. So it's not something that we reach for, it's something that's woven into like what we do every single day and the way we think about what we do and the way we treat each other and, and the clients that we work with. Do you see these standards evolving over time or remaining constant? Yeah, like one of our standards is always being beta. So that goes down to those standards. Like I'd say I'd say we're definitely open to evolving them. And like as our business grows, like it might make more sense to either add to it or tweak one or change one or, or take away one, you know, we'll, we don't know exactly. So we'll like approach everything in our business with that mindset that, you know, everything is up for change because our industry changes so fast. So we just have to make sure that we're adaptive and the needs of our business will change and the needs of our team will change and things like that. So we want to make sure that we're always reacting to that. Hmm. Speaking of change, how has the marketing industry changed since you first began your careers and what do you envision it being like in the future? Well, at least for me working in social, like I started working in social and it was like Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> so um, everything has changed, obviously, even like from six months ago to two years ago, like everything, the way we approach marketing, social, email, like ads like so much has changed a lot of it's impacted by technology so like on the ad front like apple privacy policies impacted ads so much and so now they're like they're totally different used differently and have different you know returns and stuff like that while like technology like updates to instagram and tiktok and things like that have changed social media so much and so i'd say the biggest change like when i started my career it was like social media was an optional thing that brands could or could not do. And I think I got accessed and started my career because I was the only one in the room that was really interested in social. Like it wasn't taken seriously. It wasn't like a important piece of marketing, but, um, and also it was something that like lots of like 
junior interns, which I was, were given like the keys to, and they were just like, no one took it seriously. And then suddenly became like a big, you know, more important priority and teams started getting built out and there's more resources allocated to it. And people started building campaigns around what they're going to post on social, which is awesome. And then even in 2020, like social became a pulse and a reflection of the times and the sentiment of of people and how people feel, whether it's about, you know, racial inequality or COVID or whatever, like it, it and so brands had to reapproach how they communicate on those channels, um, keeping in mind that they're entering a conversation that can be heated or can be polarizing or whatever. And then now we're in a place where I feel like brands have to be media companies, like they have to be investing and resourcing uh, to create content that's relevant on all channels and all platforms at all times. And so that is so different than it was before. And they don't just have to be producing their own content. They have to be working with creators to also produce content for them. So it's almost like there are these like it's almost going back to my roots around publishing and media where, you know, you have a newsroom and you deploy reporters to go out and get stories and get content so that you can be publishing it on behalf of your news company. And so that's pretty much what brands have to do. And as agencies, we're a partner in that process. So um, it's just, yeah, everything has changed, but it's fun. Like if it wasn't changing so much, it wouldn't be as exciting. Yeah, and I think just to add to that or even like take a bit of a broader stroke, like people have changed, Mm -hmm. you know? I think previously like marketing and advertising, it was like there was some print ads and there was a tv commercial and you put the you you paid for the tv spot and you plastered the print ads on billboards and in magazines maybe you had a coupon attached to it and that was it you know the product would sell and people would love it or they'd hate it but these days it's like people require so much more out of the brands that they support you know out of the products that they use they're so much more meticulous and particular and there's so much more of a platform for people, unhappy customers. So if someone tries a product and they don't like it or it doesn't meet their standard or it doesn't do what it says it'll do, then there's like really like a loudspeaker for people through social media to say this product sucks and for other people to steer away from it. So I think there's so much more. And that's why I think media brands or media platforms are important for brands now is because we need to, as brands or as marketers, be giving away a lot of value for free in order to build a relationship and a level of trust and rapport with our customer before they ever purchase anything from us. Mm -hmm. So I feel like because people have changed the process, the process of nurturing someone towards a purchase, but then also maintaining a relationship with them afterwards is so much longer and complex than it used to be. So, but that's what makes it fun. That's why it's like, it's so interesting to us because if it was just as simple as putting up a billboard and grabbing a TV spot, then like, it wouldn't feel as romantic. Totally. Yeah. And there's like a relationship you get to build. And I think the future of marketing is going to be like even pivoting even more further into that. It's going to be like, what are the brands that are, are adopting this new way of communicating, whether it's through like new tech or it's through creators or whatever, like the brands who will change or like who are open to changing the way they think do things and open to not being the center of all communication I think will be the brands that succeed so I think like entertainment has a huge potential like brands who are working with creators to create entertainment 
channels or content pieces like an episode on a television series. Like if a brand's coming in and supporting creator to create that, I'd say that's like where I'd love to see like marketing and digital go in the future where they're like becoming partners to people who are creating media that people actually want to watch or consume. As you both mentioned, the marketing industry is changing a lot. What is the importance of being resilient in this industry? Being resilient. Yeah, well, I think there's two sides of that for me, because I think there's resilience in the form of like owning and operating an agency or a business in general. And then there's resilience in the form of like things going right and things going wrong and things constantly changing in marketing in general. So uh, maybe I'll speak more to the business side of things. And Mitzi, I'm sure you have lots to say about the marketing side of things. But resiliency in business is, I think, one of, if not the most important factor in your success or failure. And the reason I say that is because it's one thing to have talent or a big idea Um, But it's another thing to be able to execute it or take it all the way, which is another one of our standards. And really, at the end of the day, I think it's the ones that don't give up that win. And so there's been so many times in our short life as an agency that we have wanted to quit. And something has gone wrong or something didn't go the way we planned or someone left, you know, and or we lost a client that we really loved um, for good reasons or bad reasons. And we just were like, is it worth it? You know, like, why do we do all this work just to feel like we take one step forward and two steps back? But we all, I think that's an important question to ask ourselves on a regular basis. And it really is a regular part of our conversations, even around goals or like the vision for the company is like, first off, before we set another goal or before we adjust our trajectory, like, do we still like doing this? Do we still want to keep going? And we always come back to saying yes, but it's important to have that conversation with ourselves or with each other so that we know that we're in it and that we're, we're prepared to take it all the way. And I think like we really have seen the success that we have because we've outlasted other people, other agencies, other businesses, other marketers. There's still obviously many people competing for the same attention or the same clients as us, but there's less than there was yesterday. And so as long as we stick with it, as long as we keep putting our, our heads down and doing the work and, and making sure that we maintain a vision for what we're, what we're doing, um, we're going to win. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. And the marketing piece, I think like it's very important to be resilient. And I'd say this industry is not for people who um, don't like to revisit things and wish they could set something and forget something because that's just not the case in marketing things are always evolving and always changing so you just kind of have to like take a student mentality to everything that you do and truthfully it can be pretty it can feel like a rat race sometimes it can feel like it's something that never ends and that your job's never finished so I say it's not for everyone but if you're open to changing and you're humble enough which is another standard um to you know, revisit the way that you work and change things, then I'd say it's it's a great place for you. And I'll also say like it can, I personally, because I'm a fan and I've chosen this industry uh, to build my career in, I think it's more fun when things don't stay the same. So mm-hmm. as long as you're approaching it with that kind of mentality, I think, yeah, it's, it, you'll be fine. Yeah. And it's important to create an environment where you can be resilient in, you know, Mm -hmm. like where you have what you need to stay healthy and and keep an edge. Because 
it can be exhausting when things are constantly changing or you're yeah. having to revisit over and over, do more revisions or some, something you thought would work didn't work. So you have to go back to the drawing board like that can get exhausting. So you need to have parameters in place or or measures in place to protect your health, both physically and mentally. So that's one reason why we've continued to evolve our benefits packages at Arcade and also like our vacation time. It used to just be like two or three weeks like every other company, but now we have 25 wellness days a year and we encourage everyone on our team to take every single one of those days. And that's because when they take that space, you know, when we have those those things available to us, then the days that we are working, we can show up with the right energy. We're not running on fumes Mm -hmm. and we have what we need to like give it our best mental energy. And otherwise like we're just going to be another kind of check mark on the list of people or agencies that just burnt out doing what they originally loved, but now detesting that kind of work. So we don't want to be one of those statistics. Yeah. That's really cool to hear your guys' insight on that. Who are some of the people that inspire you the most? My gut reaction is more like other companies, but I'm sure there's (laughs) individuals too. But one thing that we decided right out of the gate when we started Arcade was that we wouldn't look like in our immediate surroundings for either inspiration or like competition. Like we didn't want to be comparing ourselves to other agencies in Calgary um, or even in a lot of ways in Canada. You know, we wanted to pick more like one, two or three agencies or companies that globally that we felt like were changing the game or like really doing something fresh. And so like one company that we really looked closely at early on was an agency in Portland called 24-7 Laundry Service. And they were they started really small. It was like one dude and a few employees. And then they started doing really fresh work and then they got Nike, you know, and then they got a few other big clients like that. And just because they what they wouldn't give up, you know, they'd show up next to bigger, better agencies, but they'd think about it in a different way or they'd give it more thought or more work or more attention and and they got attention. And so we've picked companies or agencies like 24 seven laundry service or another one is anomaly. We know one of the presidents at anomaly New York and he anomaly, actually one of their values is always be in beta. And we interviewed Frankie, the president of, of anomaly New York on our, this podcast. And he talked about that. And that was while we were going through the process of articulating our values and, and we hadn't found the right words for it yet, but those were the right words. So we just kind of adopted that as our own as well. Um, so there's other there's other entities like that that we look to that aren't in our close uh, surroundings. So we don't get too like tunnel vision about like just reacting to like oh, agency A in Calgary is competing for the same client that we want that same restaurant or that same like retail store at, in Chinook Mall. You know <laughs> we wanted to have a bigger perspective than that, both with the competitors that we looked at, but also with the type of brands that we wanted to work with. So because of that, we work with brands all over the world right now, you know, from the EU to Australia to uh, the US, like New York and LA or Chicago to Vancouver and Toronto, all of the above, rather than just in our backyard. Yeah, that's a really inspiring mindset to have. If you could give a single piece of advice to someone aspiring to start a marketing agency, what would it be? Man, this is a good question. Um, Okay, I would say be specialist. So like pick like a really specific thing that you're really good at 
and you're really invested in and you really are going to be like the best at and build your agency and services around that. So don't try to do everything for everyone. Um, I feel like right now people are just so hungry and craving specialists because there's a new thing popping up and they have no idea how to do it. So ideally if your specialist, your specialty is something that's like an emerging trend or a new way of like a new format, like short form video or something like that. That's going to make you so valuable to a company. And that's also going to help you get your foot in the door if you're like really well known for that. So for example, like one person I really admire, she has her, she has an agency and all she does is TikTok ads. And that's like her only specialty. She doesn't do ads on Facebook or Google or anywhere else. She's just a specialist in TikTok ads. And it, because TikTok is such like an advertising on TikTok is still pretty new. Like she's built such a great business around that because everyone needs her help right now. So I'd say if you're wanting to start an agency, like be really good at something that's new and be really specific about it. And then build a team that's also as good, share your knowledge so that you can like scale and serve more clients. And then you have the space to do more thought leadership and create content around what you're doing as an agency and how you approach things and your unique point of view around that specific thing. Um, so that will do like the marketing for you, for your business and your service, while the rest of your team can actually serve the clients. I would say... My piece of advice is read a, a book, a specific one <laughs> um, called The Win Without Pitching Manifesto by Blair Enns. And that has really shaped a lot of how we approach our relationships with our clients. And it's all about essentially like positioning at the end of the day, like positioning yourself as the leader or what he refers to as the practitioner rather than just um, someone who's taking marching orders or just executing handling the activities that have already been prescribed by someone else. So I won't get too much into it, but really it's important for us to have a seat at the strategic table with the clients that we work with. We're not just here to do the work. We want to, we want to lead the process in deciding what makes sense to do. Who are we speaking to? What's the best way to get them excited about what we're doing? Um, and that's really like the, the meat and, and bones of, of marketing. So mm -hmm. if we don't get to be part of that conversation, then we're just going to be doing busy work all of our lives. And then we're just going to have to take orders. And so that book was, it's an easy read, but it's written specifically for marketers and agencies. And so it's so like so applicable to the work that we do and so easy to actually like apply it practically. So I'd encourage a quick read. You can grab it on Amazon. Sweet. Okay, so now I'm really excited for this part. We're going to be moving into speed round questions where you guys just fire off your responses. So here we go. I was just going to say, like, are we taking turns or do we both answer? Or how do you want us to do that? I think both answer. Yeah. Unless we address you specifically. I feel like you already answered this, Mike, but you can actually both answer. What's the best book you have read? Oh, well, that wasn't the best book I've read. I would say Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. The I was literally going to say Shoe Dog too. I love Shoe Dog. I also like this other book that I can't remember the name of right now. <laughs> Did you read it recently? No, I, I think you actually gave it to me. It was like... Um, the, the War of Art? Yes. <laughs> nice. By Stephen Pressfield, I think is the opposite. Yeah. Thank That's a good so one. It's also a short, easy read, but yes. it actually is revolutionary it's for the way so... you think about like what you're calling or what you're meant to do or what you're meant to give to the world. It's a book like you can reread over and over again and still like 
capture so much. Mm-hmm. So, and Shoe Dog is amazing. Uh, I recommend reading or listening to it on audio because it's actually like he's a really good narrator and it's a really cool journey. So, um, and it's a pretty big book. And it's written as a story, like the yeah. story of him coming up and starting Nike and the process of that. So it's less of like a business principles mm-hmm. book. So that's what makes it interesting to listen to. Okay. Go to karaoke song. Yeah, Bound, what's yours? Bound to by Kanye West. <laughs> you never sing that song. <laughs> that's just a song you like, but it's that's not a, a song karaoke that I know the words song. to that I, I could nail on karaoke, but I don't <laughs> like karaoke. No, Mike's not a karaoke guy. I really like Still the One by Shania Twain. Oh, it's simple in my range, and it gets everyone. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't say like Ashanti or something like that. I was gonna say uh, a J Lo song, but okay, I think yeah. Still the One is is a classic. All right, who has better style? Mitzi. <laughs> so nice. You I was do. gonna say you do. I feel like your closet is better than mine. Like you. You invest in very quality pieces, but all all of my stuff is like very like understated, so it's less like style, you know. It mm. like is put together, but you're the way you dress is style. I'll take it. Thank you so much. <laughs> Between the two of you, who would be the better lawyer? Mike, a hundred percent. I would get way too emotional. I would like get. I would. I would ruin. Like I would, I would get vengeful. Like I would just be way too, too much. But Mike is like so good at handling conflict in a way that like everyone feels like they, he did them a favor. You'd be a great material witness. Heck yeah. <laughs> You'd sway the jury with your emotional recap of the event. I'd give people the details that are, I think, important, but not necessary. Mm-hmm. Who's more spontaneous and free flowing? Ooh. <laughs> I feel like we're both very like type A and like not very. Oh, really? <laughs> and we're actually pretty boring. Like our, I don't know, like we're not like, like people who are like thinking of these like crazy ideas to do. Hold up though. I, I'd say that <laughs> we used like growing up when we, and when we were younger, like before we met, we were probably, I think both very spontaneous, but then like over time, like when we met, I was less spontaneous because I wanted to plan things because we were dating long mm-hmm. distance and That's I wanted true. to make sure that if we wanted to do something, we were going to make it happen. We were both busy building our businesses, dating, living in different cities. And so it would be easy for us to just like keep talking on the phone, but not actually like go the places we wanted to go or see each other as often as we wanted to see each other. So I hated planning before that, but I, I started becoming a planner out of like a desire to actually see the things that we talked about materialize. And then I think for both of us, as we've been building a business together and then starting a family, you know, your time becomes that much more of a, like a valuable commodity and like every 15 minutes counts, you know? Mm -hmm. So in that sense, you don't really have the luxury of being as spontaneous, but then we take space sometimes to be more spontaneous. Like if we're on a trip or if we're like out of the flow of our daily lives to do something as a family, you know, or sometimes on the weekend, but often we do boring things on the weekend because we're just tired and we just want to be at home together, you know? Yeah. And now that you're talking about it, like, I feel like you are a bit more spontaneous than I am. Cause like when we went on vacation in Montreal, like you were like, let's go to a concert, let's get tattoos. Like that was. It's pretty spontaneous. (laughs) When we have room to be spontaneous, we have fun being spontaneous. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. 
Who is more organized? I know you both said you're type A, but is one of you more organized than the other? I don't that's know. That's not a quick answer for you. <laughs> <laughs> no. Like I, I would say me, but that's because I need to write stuff down. But I know you're organized, but it's all in your head. Mm, I would say that <laughs> you aren't you aren't very organized. <laughs> what? I am. <laughs> Have you seen your bag? <laughs> that is not a reflection of how organized I am. I, don't know. <laughs> I would say that I am more organized, but Mitzi, I love you for a lot of other things. <laughs> Who's led by their heart more? Mitzi. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm led by my head. Mitzi's led by her heart. Yeah. So we make a good team. Yeah. That's awesome. a good balance. Mm-hmm. Mitzi, if you were to take over Glossier's branding and marketing, what would you do differently? Oh, my goodness. Um, what would I do differently? I'd, I mean, they already like lean into the creator space, but I would definitely – do that even more so and I'd embrace like I would do like maybe a reality show with like a hot new talent like I think Olivia Rodrigo is she already like a glossy ambassador yes yeah yeah so I'd have her and then I'd have like a few other people and I'd just like do like a day in the life vlog with her like every day Mm -hmm. and And also, like, show people, like, what she's doing and how she's doing her makeup backstage and things like that. Like, I would just, like, really lean into that and do, like, a whole, like, YouTube series about it. And just that would be the marketing. Yeah. I would watch that. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. (laughs) Mike, if you were to take over Nike's branding and marketing, what would you do differently? (laughs) Man, I don't know. It's so hard. I mean, that's that's so tough because like Nike is like such an example of like great marketing, I think. But I don't know. I think we've seen like glimpses of campaigns or even like more of like an entertainment angle to their marketing and advertising that's more for like the common person that I really think is interesting. And Mitzi and I were talking about this the other day. They, I think it was a partnership with Darling Magazine where it was just like, it was kind of this series or this like story following a few really normal women and their, their first attempt at running, you know, and they, so they had Nike shoes on and like they're kitted out in Nike, like the typical athlete that you see in a Nike commercial, but they were very normal people with the various bodies types and sizes, you know, and they weren't professional athletes. So obviously there was a, there's more of a challenge to that story. Um, and I feel like that kind of direction for a brand like Nike is really interesting and something that will resonate with a lot more people than just seeing like some jacked dude running through New York with kitted out in Nike gear. That's just like unachievable for us common people. You know, that's not really an answer, but I liked what I liked that. No, it is. It's good. If you were to both take over Instagram, what would you do the same or differently? Oh my goodness. Take over Instagram. Uh, <laughs> From dying. <laughs> yeah. I would try to win back photographers. Like I, I know that they're going into this direction of like video and it's just so obvious that they're like trying to be like TikTok and Facebook is just so conquestial that way. Like they're always trying to like 
like beat another established or up and coming app out of their business. So I would like go back to some of the roots and create maybe like there's another feed for just photography or or photos, you know, like maybe there's a way to do something that's really cool with photos that doesn't necessarily have to be like a reel or something because I feel like they are missing out on a piece of content that could be interesting and I think there's a lot of like really beautiful photography and really talented photographers out there so that was like the you know part of it like I love that this move towards video I think it's really fun and exciting but if there's a way to like kind of recapture people who were like the main base before I'd say like that would make it even more competitive to like a TikTok because TikTok can't serve those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll I'll go with that answer. I just <laughs> I agree. I feel like I feel like Instagram, the content that you need to post there in order for it to do well is just more difficult to produce and achieve for just your normal person. So I feel like less people are participating, myself included. So in a way, like, yeah, it's important to adapt with platforms like that, but it's just still not that true to reality for people. It's like very conflated and like embellished in the way that people share content right now. So um, I miss I miss some elements of the old days, although I don't think just going back to a chronological feed like a lot of people cry out for is really like what we're missing. So yeah, maybe there could be like a photo only feed yeah, or maybe. I bet like they could honestly just become like they could just add a be real feature where it's like I'm sure they will send you alerts. That's when, Adam's next update. Yeah, literally. Yeah. When, <laughs> and this is your be real feed, essentially. Yeah. Hmm. Those are some great ideas. Yeah. I think they should have a meeting with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now we're gonna give you two different brands where you decide who has a better brand presence: Nike or New Balance. New Balance. Yeah, I'd agree. McDonald's or Burger King. Burger King. I'm just a bigger fan of McDonald's, so I'm going to go with them. The Burger King, their advertising is iconic. Like, they do so, such good work, yeah, even though I agree that the product for McDonald's is better. I can just, whenever you say McDonald's, I can smell it, so I just I just <laughs> like them better. Rare Beauty or Fenty? I don't know Rare Beauty, so I'm going to say Fenty. Rare Beauty, Selena Gomez. Yeah, oh, okay. I'm going to say Fenty, even though I love Rare Beauty and I love how they're blowing up on TikTok. I still think like Rihanna's done such a good job at like commodifying like her persona through beauty products. So I'd say that that has more staying power than rare beauty. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Coke. Yeah. Pepsi's always just <laughs> trying to like throw shade at Coke and Coke just can't be bothered. So. I do like that Pepsi does like a lot of things in like music and ent- entertainment, hmm. like the halftime show. Although it's not going to be the Pepsi stage anymore. Oh, really? Interesting. No, I forget who it is, but it's not it's not them anymore. Okay. NHL or NBA? NBA? NBA is like one of the most impressive global brands out there right now. For sure, NBA. Yeah. TikTok or Instagram? TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> well, those are some awesome takes. Now we're going to end this game on an inspiring note to close. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? We always ask this question and never get asked. I know we never get asked this. (laughs) We did our research. (laughs) Wow. I, I think I've said like, maybe I've shared this before, but I'd say like never burn a bridge. Um, Like no matter what industry you're in, it's so small. And like always like keep in mind that like 
you're going to see people again and work with people again. And a lot of the clients that we've had, you know, have come through longer relationships that we've had. So I'd say like never burn a bridge and like to piggyback off of that is like finish things well because people like once you're completing something or like say you're like leaving from a job or whatever, like people remember like the last little bit the most then like and it's just the way the nature of it so like always try to finish things well and like finish it with excellence because you never know where that like connection might take you next Hmm. yeah i'm i'm struggling with this one like man is is there anything that i have told you that you remember yeah like people say to you i'm just drawing a blank right now i'd say like you're trying like one thing that you've shared with me is like trying to make other people look good and like it's not like even like in your business relationships you're like if you can make your client look good or like your client contact or something look really good it like helps you and so like trying to make it like your boss look really good or your your, you know coworker would look really good like I feel like that's really good advice too yeah I'm trying to think of like a maybe like a one-liner that sums up (laughs) advice that I've received but and that's the, the hard part but I think one thing that someone told me once about sales, because sales can feel so icky because there's like, there's this perception of sales that it's like the schmoozy salesman that like coerces you into buying or doing something. And I've always like, I've never resonated with that, but really a lot of what I do at Arcade is sales related, like business development, like nurturing relationships with prospective clients to give them a reason to work with us. And Someone once told me that sales is about caring more than about closing and showing that you like really actually care about the client or the customer's needs rather than just doing whatever it takes to get to the sale. And it's going to, it'll always be so much easier to one, get that sale, but also then like maintain a really healthy relationship if you show early that you care. And so I think making other people look good is part of that. Like once you are, have established a relationship with someone, if it's a customer or a client or a team member, an employer or an employee looking for opportunities to make them look good to whoever matters to them, whether it's their customer or their boss, um, because that will always establish like a mutually beneficial kind of like trust relationship. They know that you have their back and they're, you're not just there to take credit, then they'll do the same for you. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Thanks Mitzi. Yeah, that was a good one. What do you want to be remembered for? Holy smokes. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's similar to what I just said. Like I just I want to be remembered for actually like valuing people and caring about their well-being outside of just accomplishing something. Mm-hmm. I know that because of who we are and the way we approach what we do, like we're going to accomplish things and we're both Enneagram 3s, like we're achievers, so that's just inevitable. It's in our DNA, but at the end of the day, like I want my family and my friends and the people that worked with me, whether for me or around me to look back at at my life and, and say that I really cared about how they were doing and what, what they were doing and did whatever I could to help them get there. Mm -hmm. I want to be remembered for being generous. So generous with my time, with my resources, and I want to be like exuberantly generous. So, um, we still have lots of time to do that, but I think that's like one thing that I would like to be remembered for. Mm-hmm. Who is making waves and why? Oh my goodness. I should have been prepared for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Last um, Okay. 
I am going to spin this on you guys. I think you guys are making waves. And that's because I really like I watched you create content for our clients and the way like that you both kind of like have like there's no like you seem so confident and you seem like you can just like do it so naturally. And like, it's a, such a hard skill set to do that. But I feel like it's such an asset for this industry. And like, you're going to be in such high demand for any, where you want to go after this. So I'd say you guys are making ways just the way that you approach and you're down for anything. Like some of the videos that you guys are filming, I'm like, Oh my gosh, it would take me hours to build up the courage to do this and do multiple takes, but you guys just nail it so quickly. So like you're just like natural ability to do that stuff is really impressive. Um, so I'd say you guys are making waves. Aw, thank, thank you. you. I think of people in the, like the fashion and like streetwear space because that's a lot of who I follow. I would say Ronnie Feig, who's the the founder of Kith, which started in New York but is like a global brand now. Um, he is really making waves constantly, like he has been for the last decade. I think Virgil Abloh is still making waves, even though he's passed away. Rest in peace. Um, but I think, and it's sad that sometimes. I mean, he was making waves before, but it's sad that sometimes like your true legacy happens after you're gone, mm -hmm. you know? And I think a lot of people are going to miss him for a long time. And I would say, uh, Teddy, the founder of Amy Leon door is definitely making waves. He's really doing big things and has a different take on, on fashion than a lot of other streetwear brands. And now is just being copied a lot. Um, but those are those are three that I follow closely and draw inspiration from, even though they're not doing the same thing that I'm doing. For sure. Well, thank you, Mike and Mitzi, for giving us the opportunity to take over the Waves podcast. We've had so much fun and have learned so much from the both of you already. We can't wait to see what we'll learn from the two of you and the team here at Arcade throughout the rest of this internship. Just so fun. Thank you guys for having us and for taking over. Uh, yeah, this is awesome. Thank yeah, you so much. Yeah, this is a milestone piece of, of the internship. So you do, you two both did a great job. Five gold fun, stars. Fun being interviewed. <laughs> awesome. awesome. Now get back to your desk and do some work. <laughs> Will do. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>